Hello and welcome to episode two of Roto Brits, a UK fantasy baseball podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt, and joining me this week, Ryan Owen. Ryan returns. How are you? Delightful, fully recovered, slept in till beyond midday after the Super Bowl last night. Yourself, Pete? I'm delicate. Uh, that's that's the best description uh, for anyone who uh, who was out with me last night who listened to this, and anyone who knows the standard rules that we we adhere to on Super Bowl night. Every touchdown is a fireball shot, and for some reason we added extra ones in there too. Um, so yeah, it was it was a late one, and uh, the Uber price surges were uh, were killing me as well. But anyway, that good good fun good fun had feeling feeling fragile today. And really, mate, it's the signal that baseball season starts. Today, baseball season starts, in my opinion. So, you know, great uh, great to be chatting to you, mate, and uh, for episode two of, uh, of our podcast. We're going to focus on starting pitchers today. So, as we mentioned last week, we were just in a, a general introduction to this podcast and what we're about. So, thanks for all the listeners so far. Um, quick question for you, mate. Uh... Number of listens on episode one. How many are you project projecting after? Well, I listened to it back, so that's one. So we definitely won, but I'm not sure listening to it ourselves is is that positive. <laughs> so, oh, I don't know. I, I think at least ten fellow Brits tuned in and listened. We got a few questions this week, didn't we? We're going to aim upwards. Am I in the right ballpark? You're you're in the ballpark. You're slightly pessimistic. Well, you know, there you go. <laughs> this, Wait, I mean, you're right. I mean, I've listened to, listened to it back about six times. So you know, there you go. <laughs> My nan's listened to it, and you know, it's it all adds up, right? So anyway, you're right. It it was a good start, and we're really excited and pleased for for everyone to be engaging with us so far. And you know, hopefully, people appreciate this podcast and what we're doing. Um, so you know, let's get stuck in. Um, as we mentioned, we're gonna we're gonna focus in on starting pitchers, and there's a lot of starting pitchers. So you know, it's we could probably do a, a 24 hour podcast on that, which we won't do. Um, you'll be pleased to know. So you know, let's let's keep it maybe high level. We've got some questions that we've received as well, so that will steer us on to some specific players. So that'll be interesting. We'll get some a bit later, but. You know, just to start us off, right, um, from a starting pitcher perspective, what is it that you particularly look for? or What do you focus on when you're ranking guys or drafting guys? Yeah, so so with pitching, Pete, it's, um, it's the same as with any other position in that what I am always more interested in the skills that a player is showing that he has more so than his results. So there can be a tendency amongst newcomers to fantasy baseball to, to take a quick look at the ERA from last season, for example. Now, obviously, uh, this is a quite a basic level. People should know not to focus on ERA at all because ERA is the, the outcome of an absolute amalgamation of many other things that go on within a game of baseball. Um, and a lot of that is luck. And this is it's with any sport now. You, you have to try and separate out the skills and the process from the outcome, which often has many sort of uncontrollable elements within it. Did it hit the second baseman's glove and 
and fly off for a you know a double or did the second baseman gather it and throw it for an out you know the pitcher has done the same thing the pitcher's induced a ground ball into the middle infield and maybe more times than not he would have an out but if he's got a bad defense behind him perhaps or if it's just a little bit of luck when i'm looking at pitchers i want to see an ability to induce swinging strikes okay. so that's number one okay all right yep the, the, straight off the bat that is a really important trait for me and the reason it's important well there's a couple of reasons number one if you induce swinging strikes the batter is not making contact with the baseball so that's fantastic news and it, if you strike the person out it's the it's the only out in baseball really that's sort of completely unscary from a pitching point of view because any any other outcome means that the ball is is going somewhere yeah <laughs> you know it might go for a single or for a bunt or for a home run or for a foul ball or whatever it may be but if you strike the guy out it's completely missed his bat the reason that's really good news for us as fantasy baseballers of course is that K's is one of the categories as well. So in most leagues, you'll have five categories and one of them is strikeouts. So not only are you reducing the amount of chance that there is for the ball to do harm to your fantasy team, but you're actually getting points for the K's as well. So straight off the bat for me is swinging strikes. And that that might make you think that you should go and have a look at a pitcher's strikeouts. And a pitcher's strikeouts from last season and the season prior is a decent indicator of whether they might strike people out next season. But remember, the strikeout itself is actually an outcome. You could get some sort of fortunate strikeouts, in other words. You could be you could have more strikeouts than your ability to induce swinging strikes actually shows. So you want to have a look at, really, go and have a look at swinging strike percentage. Mm, okay. Any of that makes wow. sense? It does. It does, mate. I, you're right. So you're, I, I guess you're taking it to a different or another level in terms of your analysis because you're right. What do, what do I do? What, what have I done? I'll go and have a look at total number of Ks and go, okay, that's a good metric to, to base it on, etc., uh, etc. Et but actually, you're right. It's, it's diving a little bit deeper and um, you're having a bit more of an uh, analytical view, let's say, on that. So... All right, mate. That's that's interesting. Um, from a strikeout perspective, um, who I, I was just so I was diving into just total strikeouts for 2019 and just yeah. trying to see who the leaders were and which is fine. Yeah. yeah, do you know who the leader was? Good place to start. Yeah. Do you know who the leader was oh, in 2019? Um, oh, I can only guess it was Cole or Verlander. Yeah, I think you're on, you're on the nose there, mate, with uh, with Garrett Cole. So Cole, yeah. yeah. There you go. But I tell you, in, interestingly, in the in the top ten. So this this what caught my eye in the top ten. So the number seven on the list for last season was Lance Lynn. Interesting name just appearing there. Interesting. Yeah, you know, if you kind of, I'm looking and thinking, hmm, that's interesting. You know, is is there potentially some value there? Um, you know, he's obviously a high strikeout guy. Like you say, it's one of the categories. Um, you know, it's we'll see. Scott White's uh, Scott White, whose rankings I've just used uh, in preparation for this uh, from CBS, 
Uh, Scott has him ranked as the 34th pitcher on his list and his rankings at the moment. So, you know, there you go, a high strikeout guy going relatively late there. On the flip side, though, um, someone who's being drafted probably, you know, he'd probably appear on most people's top 10 is Bueller. And Bueller was, I think, let's have a look here. He was 19th in total strikeouts for 2019. Um, 215 strikeouts in total. So, you know, he he's he's up there. He's up there in the top 10. Where do you have Bueller, interestingly, on your rankings? So, I mean, you've mentioned a few interesting things. So, so first off, you've, you've mentioned total strikeouts, which is great. Um, really good place to start. But remember, straight away, health is going to be a problem when it comes to this because Lance Lynn may have finished seventh, but Lance Lynn stayed pretty healthy last season. So you might have a guy who who um, only pitched 100 innings about having a look at either innings or K percentage because you, you, you sort of look point. Um, in terms of Walker Bueller, he's very interesting because he has very, very good control metrics. His his sort of calling card is he has a great pitch mix, good velocity, and really good control. His swinging strike rate isn't elite, so he will provide strikeouts. I'm not suggesting that he won't. I believe that I've got, looking at my list, Mr. Bueller is in sixth position on my list of starting pitchers. So there you go. Um, in terms of Lance Lynn, you mentioned Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn's not in my top 50. And and Lance Lynn is a guy who, you're quite right, Lance Lynn does strike people out and he does have a good swinging strike rate. In fact, his swinging strike percentage is slightly higher than Walker Bueller, which is ridiculous. They're pretty much the same. Um, the problem with Lance Lynn is his fly ball percentage is quite high. Um, and he used his, his four seamer quite a lot last season. His K percentage is good. He gets swinging strikes. He will get you the strikes next season, assuming he stays healthy. It's a little bit scary. I mean, isn't, is he in Texas now? I think he's in Texas. Um, and there are a lot of fly balls. So that's just something to be wary of if you're going to go out and uh, grab Lynn. Yep. Well, you never know. I mean, it was it was interesting. Uh, he he kind of popped out to me as you know a potential. I don't know if sleep is the right word, but um, you know he's he's been around a while, I suppose. But anyway, um, just to just to kind of move it on, just while we're talking about some pitches, and uh, we had a couple of questions in the lead up to to the podcast. So you know, I think it's a good time to maybe dive into a couple of them now. And firstly. Thanks to the guys who, who've engaged with us and, and, and asked questions. And like we said at the outset, we we want to make this podcast for you and deep dive on, on what you want us to deep dive on. So um, so here we go. First one we've had is from um, Brent Bentley. Um, so it's regarding Lucas Giolito. And I, basically Brent's question is, is he being overvalued? He's, he's one year removed from pretty much being the worst pitcher in MLB. Um, you know what? What's your take on him? Where do you where do you have him? And is it a scary number? Is it a risky call? Um, Giolito is 
This is a really great question from Brent because it really it gets straight to the heart of one of fantasy's biggest questions. If you have a number of seasons from from a player and let's say two of them are quite bad and one of them's good, how, how do you know which is real? Is it that and that is the essence of um, Brent's question, which is it's a good way to be thinking because you, you don't want to overpay for something that perhaps had an element of luck or perhaps just isn't the real player. Um, I'll, I'll quote Ron Chandler now, and Ron Chandler um, writes the baseball forecaster um, and works at um, Baseball HQ. Really great. I would advise you to, to read his stuff. Um, you know, once a player shows a skill, once a player does something, let, let's say someone steals 50 bases, even if they've only done it once, once a player shows a skill, they actually, he says, they own that skill. So that they are, they have shown that they are capable of doing it. So, you know, Lucas Giolito last season, um, 11.6 K per nine. He has shown the skill over the course of a full season that he's capable of, of striking out over 11 per nine innings, which is very, very good. Um, what you have to try and do to try and get to the nuts of whether or not last season was real, um, whether he really did improve that much and whether he can remain at that level, you have to start diving a little deeper onto to who he is. Um, he's only 25 years old, remember? So when you, uh, young pitchers coming into the league may struggle early on and become a lot better. You know, remember Jake Arrieta is a good example of someone who had some really pretty average years at the start of his year, if not below average in Baltimore, but then suddenly became this, you know, top 15 starting pitcher in fantasy for a number of years um, at Chicago. And that was legitimate. So it can happen that players grow. Giolito, velocity up in 2019 from 92.4 a year prior to 94.3 miles per hour last season. So that's almost a two mile per hour increase on the fastball. What else did he do last year? Well, he used his change-up change almost double the amount last year that he did to the year prior. And his curveball usage went right down to about 4%. Now, the curveball isn't a very good pitch for Lucas Giolito. The change-up is a very good pitch for Lucas Giolito. He gets 41.3% um, whiffs on his change-up. So... Someone in that organization has said, Lucas, this pitch is good. This pitch isn't. Start using this one a bit more and, and mix it in with a fastball, which is also a very good pitch. And stop using your curveball because it's absolute trash. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's working. He, um, I, I like Giolito. Where do I have him ranked? I have him ranked inside the top 10. And to some people, that's going to be way too high. Um, I, I love Giolito. Wow, 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 wow. Big, big, big. In the top 10. Wow. That is, I mean, there's a lot of pitchers then who aren't in your top 10 who, who others may may prefer. I'm going to do my best, and I've been waiting to do this since we came up with this, uh, this concept and this podcast idea. I've been waiting to do my best Adam Azer impre impression, really. So I'm just going to fire <laughs> away with one here now. Um, who would you take? Who are you going to take? Lucas Giolito or Zach Greinke? <laughs> that, that's not even close. <laughs> yeah, well, based on what you based on what you said, he's in the top ten. Here's another Lisa. one. 
Here we go, mate. Here we go. This is a better one. So here you go. This is the Adam Azer style, isn't it? Where he, he, throws <laughs> out, he throws out one that ain't even close. Keith <laughs> Cummings laughs him down. And then he goes, okay, let me rephrase that one. Okay, Lucas Giolito or Strasbourg? Giolito. Still Giolito. Okay, another one. Shane Bieber. Oh, yeah, you're getting to... That's close. <laughs> well, Strasbourg, Strasbourg is close as well. Um, they're all top 15 pitchers. And so when you get into that range, you're sort of looking at who are you willing to spend draft capital or auction dollars on? Who, who um, you know, what happens in your draft? Um, you know, if you can get... Strasbourg in the fourth, but you can get Bieber in the fifth. I don't know. I'm just making this up as you go along. But you actually have Bieber, you know, very similarly ranked to Strasbourg in terms of your projections. And obviously, you're going to take a risk, take a hitter in the fourth and and see if you can get Bieber in the fifth because it's all about value. Um, I love Shane Bieber as well. And the reason that I would be a little more hesitant on Strasbourg is just because there is still a bit of a health risk. I know that he had a good season last season, very good pitcher. Um, that there is still a, a bit of a health risk and, he, and his velocity on his fastball was down a bit last season um, as well, which doesn't really bode well when, I mean, what is he 31 now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not much, it's, but it's, it's been down quite a bit now since 2017 when his fastball velocity was near 96 miles per hour. He's down near 94 now. So that's just a couple of miles per hour. And you start to think, mm, be careful. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, it's a good time to bring in the, the next question we had from, from the guys. And this is from Pete. Pete BC. Is Pete, is he in, the, uh, is he in one of the dynasty leagues that we're in? Is it ringing a bell? <laughs> Um, you know when you have these virtual friends and you don't actually know who they are like me and Pete like we didn't even know each other until like a few a few months ago did we it's just someone who runs an account Pete might be in one of my leagues I can't remember off the top of my head <laughs> that's the that's perfect truth I don't know but he seems a very nice chap either way there we go Pete make yourself known please yes um, please tell me that you've been in my league for 10 years and i'm forgetting you. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right cool so listen pete, pete fired up a great question and um you know we'll deep dive on this one so it's in regards to jack flaherty uh the cardinals that's correct isn't it um yeah and, and, and basically his question is uh can a two-pitch guy really justify such a high cost on draft? Yeah. They they can if their slider's that good. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Like the the slider's filthy. Like it gets. I mean, I just mentioned Giolito's changeup gets forty one point three percent whips, which is very good. Jack Flaherty's slide gets forty five point four percent whips. That's silly. Yeah, that's silly. Um, I don't think there's any reason to believe that that slide is going to be any less good, um, especially because Flaherty's, what, 24 years old. Um, is I don't think there's a... I understand the concern, um, but we're not talking about Freddie Peralta now or another sort of a two-pitch reliever that doesn't have a great repertoire or a, a great second pitch. What, what Flyerty does seems to be sustainable to me. Um, his fastball velocity was up quite a bit as well. 
um, last season. So I, I'm pretty sure that will be able to stick. Um, and in the second half, um, his swinging strike percentage went his overall strike percentage for the season was 14.2 swinging strikes, which is, is good. In the second half, that was at 15.2%. Now, once you're over 15% through a prolonged period of the season, you are into you know sky-high territory of inducing the opposition to swing. Um, he's very good, um, and I would suggest that he can maintain something close to this level, at the very least. Yeah. Would you be happy third-round pick? 12-team league, let's just say, Roto standard. Oh, if, if you see me taking a picture in, within the top 36, you you should, you know, call the police because it's not... You can, I think Mark's already uh, sort of suggested this, Mark Blakemore. I, I don't really take pictures this high, so we, we can talk about any of these guys because I'm probably just going to let anyone take these while I take, you know, crazy good hitters. Yeah, okay, well... That, that's a nice segue, mate, because, you know, Mark did ask this question and, and, and really the broader question really is from a starting pitcher perspective, what's, what's your standard strategy, if, if indeed you do have one, when drafting starting pitchers? Um, I'm quite risk averse. Um... I like to take risks in life, but in fantasy baseball, I try to project people for sort of what they're almost definitely able to offer me and anything else is a bonus. I know that's maybe that sounds silly. So, for example, I might say on Flyerty, I think that he might have a 10.0 K per nine, which is very good. Um, if he sustains a 15 or 16% swing and strike rate throughout the season, then he might be able to offer me 13 K per nine. You know, he has that ability, but mm. I'm not going to pay for it. So, so that's the first thing. I, and that goes for any, any position in baseball. I'm quite conservative with the projections and anything else is a bonus. Um, in terms of pitching, I do like to wait. I, and generally, generally, that's not always the case. Um, any pick in the draft, it, it does depend what opportunity presents itself. You know, what maybe early I have the opportunity to take Garrett Cole with the third overall pick or the fourth overall pick. I might take Garrett Cole there, but it would always be an opportunity cost of me looking at everyone else I've got ranked and saying, well, if I take Garrett Cole, he can offer me X, Y, and Z. Um, as opposed to taking this second baseman or this outfielder and this is what they can offer me and I'll weigh up um, what what each can offer me and then I, I'll make that decision. Usually it isn't a pitcher that I'm taking early because I think the risk involved with pitchers is very high. Um, a lot of them get injured. A lot of them have arm issues, even if even worse. I prefer them to get injured and go on their IL. You know that's ideal. If you're gonna if you're gonna get hurt, tell your coaches you're hurt. Get yourself on the injured list and get off my fantasy team for a few months while you're gonna sort it out. Because the the absolute worst is when they sort of say, "Oh well, I'm dealing with a bit of a dead arm and I'm I'm, I'm feeling a bit low and I'm, I've lost a bit of velocity, but I'll be all right." And the coach is like, "Oh, he's fine. There's nothing wrong with him." there's usually something wrong as soon as that starts it's like madness and then you've got money fantasy team but um <laughs> slight little random, they, they wind me up to high heaven pitchers and 
you know, last season, I remember, you know, people so high on the top 10 last season. And this season, the top 10, with the exception of one or two elite guys, it's a completely different top 10 to what it was last season. And it, last season was completely different to what it was the season prior and the season prior to that. And it's just too much volatility with starting pitching. And I feel like I can go further down the ranks find some gems that have got some good underlying statistics and, um, you know, crush you all in there you go. hitting and pitching. <laughs> well, don't be, don't be stealing my Lance Lynn pick now because, you know, now he's, now he's on your radar where he wasn't before. You know what I mean? Oh, as soon as you said that you were interested, I, I put him up to number 35 on my ranks. Yeah, he's straight up. <laughs> it, needs, it needs, like, a pink tick or something. It's verified by Pete or something. <laughs> now, you, know, you know, Pete, as well, it's not to say that my strategy on pitching is right. So there's a lot of guys that that will happily take pitches early. They, you know, they might consider um, Verlander or Flyerty or whoever it may be. They might consider them to be absolutely solid, very sort of low-risk guys that they think will give them a certain value. And, and some people... Some people uh, play that way and have a lot of success with it. So you, you no. don't need to – no no one should just blindly follow anyone else's strategy. In fact, that's the worst thing you can do. What, what, what you should do is go away, do some research on any position, pitchers, whatever it may be, and you have a feeling yourself based on that research for, for where people fit in. And you should have the, the sort of courage of your own convictions to, to go into that draft room with a, a set of rankings that are completely different to everyone else's and, and then use that to, to sort of maneuver yourself around the draft room and, and get some good value picks. Yeah. Love it, mate. Great, great segue as well to a couple of follow questions. I, I've been looking at some rankings and thinking back, Really, the way, way it works for me is I'll look at last year. What happened last year? Who did I, you know, you have, as soon as you draft someone, particularly relatively high in any league that means something to you, you have an affinity to that player. At least that's how I feel anyway. And last year, I took Severino with, I think, my third round pick from memory. And obviously didn't get any value out of him. And... The knock-on effect with Severino is he's you know, naturally drifting down most people's rankings from where he was last year. But in reality, he may well be the same pitcher that was being drafted at, you know, 30 or whatever. So mm-hmm. what's your take on Severino, mate? For me, I look at it and think huge opportunity there to you know, get some great value, just to come back to what you were saying earlier on. Yeah, I mean... I don't think that's a bad way to look at it at all. Um, Severino is a guy that was knocking on the door of sort of being a perennial top five guy. So if he'd done it again last season, as you hoped he did when you took him third, I can understand why he took him in the third round. Um, Good swing and strike rates, really good control, great velocity, good ground ball percentage. And then he gets hurt. And, you know... um, it's a shame. You you do have to put an asterisk next to him this season because he has unfortunately only pitched twelve innings over the course of the last sort of twelve months now. So um, mm. there is a risk, but if you get him at a certain value, um, then potentially, absolutely, you are right. If he returns to the level that he was at in 2017, 2018, at a certain price point, you will get yourself a lot of profit. Yeah. Agreed. 
Okay, mate. Well, it's nice to nice that you verified that opinion as well. Maybe I don't know. Maybe that's not the right way of saying it. But uh, hey ho, I'm going in on Severino. <laughs> but someone else I want to get your take on, mate. Again, this is linked to my own experiences, and not so much in drafting last year, but actually an ex-Marlin player and Zach Gallon, who was traded away, obviously to where did he go? Diamondbacks. Yeah, Diamondbacks. And um, now, when I look at the rankings, Zach Gallon's appearing all over the show, uh, you know, maybe between 40 and 50, somewhere in that range, let's say, on, on quite a bit of rankings that I've looked through. What's your take on Gallon? Because I'm not as high on him as maybe the wider consensus is, which probably means I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Gallon. Really interesting kid, as we say, 24 years old. I like the age. The age does generally I'm not too bothered about age. I mean, there's a lot of people listening that already know about my um, deep love for Nelson Cruz um, on the hitting side. <laughs> and, uh, honestly, I was actually talking to my fiance about Nelson Cruz earlier today. Um, she wow, wow. Was just, she's a kid. Yeah, <laughs> she's a key. She had no interest in what I was saying whatsoever, but she's so she's so great that she she sort of abided it and, uh, and gave a response even. Um, but I will be drafting Nelson Cruz when he's sixty. Do you know what I mean? So I, I'm not bothered about age. But when it comes to pitchers, I am because you know, generally speaking, if they're younger, they've they've not had as many miles on the arm. And, and given what I've said about injuries already, that that is a that is a positive. Um, so that's one thing about Gallon. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing about him is he does get swinging strikes. You know, his swinging strike percentage was 13.2%. So I would suggest that the level of Ks that he was getting last season are, are um, achievable again. There are some statistics, which might be interesting to, to viewers, where, where you, you can go into the underlying stats and try to figure out where the pitchers were getting a little bit lucky in some elements of what they were doing. So, so Gallon's a good example of this. Um, strand percentage is one of them, uh, something that Baseball HQ use quite a lot and, and pretty much every analyst does. Um, you, you get so many people on base in an inning, um, and then say you get two men on base and you, you strike the side out or whatever, but you've left two on base. Um, another single there might have scored one or two runs. That might negatively affect the ERA. Are you consistently, um, are you getting quite fortunate when you're getting your outs is basically the point of strand percentage. Are you, are you giving up hits, but then getting the outs at very useful times, whereas next season you might give up the hits at more pivotal times. So you sort of, you, does that make sense to you? You're sort of looking for that element of luck with strand percentage. Are you stranding a lot of runners on base just because you're getting outs at sort of quite fortunate times? Um, of course, you know, you might think that some sort of skill to when you get the, you know, hear people say like, oh, he gets the outs when runners are on base because he, he just hunkers down and he, he's so good under pressure. It's like, I don't, I don't really buy into that. There are, I'm sure those pictures exist, but generally speaking, Strand percentage is a good example of a statistic that helps you to figure out whether someone's lucky. And the point of this is Gallon's strand percentage was quite high, over 80% last season. Um, so that's something to look out for. 
he also mm. gives up quite a lot of fly balls. Fly balls is something I'm interested in. I mentioned that with um, someone else earlier when we were chatting. Um, you want your pitcher to sort of – some fly ball pitchers are quite successful, but the more fly balls you give up as a pitcher, the more chance there is that things are, are going to leave the yard. Um, and so you can – you can look at um, home runs to fly ball as well, which is another way that you can start to figure out look. So some pitchers might give up a lot of fly balls, but they keep getting caught right on the warning track, right? Whereas another pitcher is basically doing exactly the same thing, giving up a load of fly balls just at the same rate as pitcher A, but pitcher B's fly balls are just creeping over the fence, whereas pitcher A's were all being caught. And so you can look at home run to fly ball percentage to try and figure out uh, that as well. I like Gallon. That's the basic point. <laughs> <laughs> that is a Ryan Owen special right there. That is, uh, what are your thoughts about Gallon? And we went off into seven. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, I hope it, people are going to have to make notes. Like, what did he say? Home run, fly ball, strand percentage. Oh, he likes Gallon. Okay. Hey, I'll take one. <laughs> there we go, mate. I, I'm putting Gallon. Gallon's on my bust list. I'm going to, as we go through this part, this, this list, as we go through. So I'm going to create, actually, I've decided, I'm just on the fly here. You know, this is how we roll in this podcast. I've decided that what we're going to do is for each position, I'm just going to have one key bust, let's say. And um, Gallon for me is going to be, is he's a contender, let's say. What did I say there that made you put Gallon on your bust list? Are, are you just going to be the, you're just going to go with it, the opposite of what I say, is that right? No, 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 not at all, not at all. <laughs> there was nothing, I mean, he gives up too many fly balls, is that why he's on the list? The key, the key bit I took away from that, right, was he was lucky. He was playing a lot of his time in Marlins Park last year. So as we know, he had some, yeah. he had some park help. For half of his yeah, season. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And um, so I think that there's some regression coming there. That's just my personal opinion. Well, there's, there's, I mean, to be fair, um, yeah, I agree. But let's just caveat that with he finished the season with a, a 1.01 whip and a 2.54 ERA. I mean, yes, if if there was no regression due, then you, you'd put him down for the Cy Young. True, <laughs> 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 exactly. So. Maybe it's not a stretch to say there's re- re- there's some regression coming. <laughs> yeah. um, just, uh, you know me, mate. You know I love my Marlins. So just, I need to ask you about Marlins starting pitches, mate. We can't we can't finish this pod without that. Um, I, I guess as we're going into the season, Caleb Smith, I assume, is your highest ranked Marlins pitcher. Only oh because he's, his, his K percentage will be a lot higher, I think, than the other guy's. Um, you're right. He he is highest. He's another flyball mm. proficiano. What's that word? Proficionado? Is that a word? And what am I saying? He's a flyball. Let's just say he likes fly. He gives up a lot of flyballs. As far as I'm not going to try and mess around with. I think I just made up a new word in the language, which is fine. Um, proficiano was it? What what was your word? I don't know. I. Please, let's move on. 50, just so you know, I'm going to be an English teacher at secondary school um, as of September, and I just made up a word. Um, so that bodes well for people, um, people's kids in this area of the world. I don't know. Um, 52% fly ball percentage for Caleb Smith. That's not 
great. Now that that's a lot higher than uh, Zach Gallen um, and only 26% ground balls. So he is what we call a fly ball pitcher. So don't expect the ERA to be to be uh, special um, with him. Having said that, yeah, he does he does get swinging strikes and and as long as he's doing that and there's no signs that he won't be. He, he will get his Ks and he will be useful in fantasy baseball. Awesome. There you go. I mean, I think that feels right. He won't be, I don't think, the opening day starter. I think Sandy will, will open up, but he, he, he doesn't maybe have the fantasy stats. It's one of those where fantasy and reality are two different things, right? And uh, while Sandy is, in my opinion, on a, on a great path at the moment to be a, a top pitcher the moment he's probably not really high on rankings, let's say. So um, it's, uh, it's to do with the Ks. And the weird thing with um, Alcantara, the weird thing is that his swinging strike rate is actually not bad. But given that his swinging strike rate is like 11.4% and he still only gets Ks down at like 7 per 9 or whatever it is, it's really hard to, it's hard to think that there's a, put away pitch there that's really going to boost him up. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if some sort of change is made with Sandy and and all of a sudden he, he is at 9K per 9, but I can't buy that right now because, as we said earlier, once a player shows a skill, he owns that skill. Well, he really hasn't shown the skill yet. So yeah. how can I buy it? And I, therefore, I can't. Yep. Fair enough. Well, Let's let's not dwell too much longer on the Marlins rotation. Uh, that's just me being selfish. <laughs> uh, I'll save that for uh, for the for the Marlins podcast. Um, right, mate. Conscious of the time, let's let's maybe we've got one further question uh, that we've received through, so we'll, we'll cover that. But before we go, uh, I just wanted to just get maybe a couple of sleeper picks that you you're seeing you're seeing good value on something like. Aficionado. There's no P. There's no P. It's not proficient. That's what I was trying to get at. Someone who's, you know, sort of really keen on something, except I added a P and R and probably an O, so it was completely the wrong word. <laughs> there we go. Please carry on. Carry on with the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is to take things to the whole other for sure. Google is our friend, Pete. We can Google. always Google things when we get them wrong. <laughs> I'm with you, mate. Right. Give us give us two sleepers. Two starting pitcher sleepers, mate. Wow. Okay. Uh, let's have a look. Some pictures for you. This is me scrolling on through. It... Okay, I, I quite like um, someone along the lines of... I always like Robbie Ray. I know that, that that's an interesting one. Robbie Ray is an interesting guy. He, I don't think control is ever really going to be his, um, his skill. It's not going to be his calling card. He, he gives up way too many uh, balls. Um, his first pitch strike rate is, is below 60%. That's not good. And it seems to be consistent with Robbie Ray. Um and even when you watch him pitch, he's got this glorious ability to miss bats, 13.6% swinging strikes. Um, 
really cool to watch when he's when he's on and he's dominating he can strike out the side three innings in a row and sort of he'll be three innings into a game and he'll have eight strikeouts and you just think oh yes and then all of a sudden he'll come out for the fourth inning and he just completely goes to bits and you're left a bit annoyed but you know what at least you got your 10 strikeouts in like four innings and you sort of yeah. take the rough with a smooth and say thanks very much and and if the other stuff comes along which, which can happen you know if all of a sudden he, he does figure something out he he already owns the k's the k's are his they are going to be there it's a risk i'm not saying it will happen but like i said earlier you're gonna buy the k's and then if something else clicks then you've just got a brucey bonus thank you very much yeah interesting what's your who's your favorite non Aronola Phillies pitcher this year? Um, well, I mean, straight up on the ranks, it goes straight to um, Zach Wheeler. Um, we, yeah, Wheeler's a good one. He, he seems to be healthy now. He had health concerns in his Mets career or throughout his Mets career. Um, I'm not quite sold that he gets enough swinging strikes to be like really excited about him. And that, that'd be the one thing I'd say, like he'll be the second best sort of fantasy pitcher on the Phillies almost undoubtedly, um, because I'm not even sure who else is in that rotation. <laughs> like who, who is he up against? Like Zach Eflin and like Nick Pavetta. I don't know who else, who's even still in that rotation. Oh, God, I'm doing a UK Phillies podcast next week. That's when I can get depressed about that rotation. Please don't make me think about it now. Nope. Let's park that and move on. <laughs> so on, on happier notes, on happier notes, it's always, Interesting to hear our, our listeners' draft strategies, let's say. And so Bob from Braves in the UK has been in touch this week. Uh, Bob, thanks for listening, firstly, and thanks for the question, secondly. The question Bob posed is an interesting one. It's not pitcher-related, but he's asked the question, and so we'll answer it. And the question really was, should you... Oh, and and his, this is his theory, and he's just testing the theory and whether it, <laughs> it's legitimate. Should you focus on infielders earlier in drafts and then pick up outfielders later in the drafts? I think is basically what he was asking. Um, is there I any merit to that? Well, he should test that theory in any leagues that he's in with me and see how it goes. He's my first F5. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I, just um, I don't... No, thanks for the question, Bob. I'm only messing with you, but... I don't understand why. I, I, don't, I, don't, I know you only get so many characters on Twitter, but I don't quite understand why you would do this. I mean, let me tell tell you my strategy would be pick the player regard I mean, obviously if you've already got a shortstop and a middle infielder and a utility player and you've got four open outfielder spots, don't just pick another middle infielder for the sake of it. Maybe do then at that point get an outfielder, you know, if needs must. But why would you sort of go into a draft thinking I'm gonna pick middle infielders up before outfielders? You know, if if the outfielder that's available to you at that given moment in the draft is going to give you more home runs and more stolen bases, then why would you sort of pick up the middle infielder? You wouldn't. You would pick up the outfielder. I would. This this sort of comes into the um, position scarcity argument. So some, the, the, sometimes this sort of feeling that um, let's just say Altuve is the top second baseman and he's available, and you think that the second 
second baseman on your rankings is is really a big drop off from Jose Altuve. But then you go over to your outfielders and you feel like the difference between Acuna and Trout is minimal. Minimal. So therefore, what you're going to take Altuve instead of Acuna or Trout? No, ludicrous. No, <laughs> you wouldn't because it's it's. And I'm sure Bob won't mind me answering this passionately because the more passionately I answer it, the more it will be hammered home to him. If you wouldn't do that in that scenario, which you wouldn't because Acuna, for example, is going to you know, hit 40 home runs and steal nearly 40 bases probably, whereas Altuve is going to hit 20 home runs and steal 10 bases, you wouldn't do it in that scenario, and I know you wouldn't. So why would you do it in any other scenario? Just because the names aren't Altuve and Acuna anymore, and they're sort of like mid-rank guys against mid-rank guys, you still wouldn't do it because you want the best statistics for your fantasy team. It doesn't matter whether they play outfield, utility, first base, wherever it is, get the best player. There you go. That's the message. Take the best player. Get the best player. Don't worry about positions particularly in the early parts, anyway, the draft. Obviously, you need to fill all your, all your spots, right? So You do need to fill all your spots, although uh, there, are, there have been times when I've, um, I have actually taken another, another like, really good, you know, if I thought that I needed one more outfielder, but I don't know whether this is, it's probably true. I've sort of, like, stacked up on, on just really good players because I thought that they were better in general. And then, you know, if someone gets to, well, hey, I've still got this middle infielder. But no, you're right. Generally speaking, if, um, if you have an open outfielder spot, then go and get yourself an outfielder before you get your reserves. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Sweet. Good. Well, I, I enjoyed the passion. And hopefully Bob enjoyed the passionate response. And he's not afraid <laughs> to, to send another question in, so... He won't send a question. He'll tell me all the reasons why I'm talking rubbish, and hopefully, hopefully, he'll um yeah. he'll stick with his strategy anyway because he's in a league with me this year. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And we can't we can't annoy him too much as well in that league because he has been chief facilities coordinator. I think is the best way of describing it's him. It's true. So. It's true. He's done a great job. He's he's a good guy. He he's, he's been telling me this week as well on Twitter the reasons why. Um, Acuna might not steal 40 bases. And that, uh, this is an interesting one, if you don't mind. I'm going to touch on it, Pete, because the basic argument from Bob there was that, well, hang on, be careful with Acuna, because I know that he stole 40 bases last season, but he might not this year because the Braves coaching staff do this and the team do this and the lineup might be this and all completely valid points and perfectly possible. But my point to Bob was... You don't. This is one of the key mistakes that I think people do make when they start thinking about fantasy sports. Is that they think about what they think will happen, and they they sort of draft based on that outcome. But that's not ideal. You want to draft based on the most likely outcome. Now, a tuner is really quick. A tuner is young. He's healthy. He's a phenom. He's he's an athletic specimen beyond what's normal the most likely outcome given that he stole nearly 40 bases last season or whatever it was, is that he's going to do something similar this season. Is it possible that he steals 20 this season? Sure. Sure. It's possible. It's possible that he hits 240 because his contact percentage isn't great. It's all possible. But my point, and I'm not just talking about Cuner here is that you should really try to sort of hammer down what you think the most likely outcome is. 
Good advice, mate. Good. And I did yeah. see that thread. Did see you guys picking up the uh, the Acuna versus Trout or who should go 101 and, you know, whatever. So, hey, again, it's good. We're enjoying the, the debate and the dialogue. That's great, particularly, you know, week one. So keep it coming, guys. Keep keep engaging with us. That's what that's you know that's what we're trying to do. It's trying to be fun. Um, awesome. Well, listen, we're, we're bang out of time for uh, for starting pitchers. We we probably spoke about what fifteen pitchers in total, <laughs> probably. Um, you know, it's it's not easy to do in one episode, but you know we. You know. I think what we'll say as well, Pete, is um, obviously we can't touch on every one, but if, if there is a, a thirst amongst the people listening to hear a bit more about pitches or if you've got any questions about specific ones or specific statistics that I've mentioned or ones that you want me to talk about um, or to ask Pete about, then please let us know because we'd be more than willing to do um, a sort of second episode on pitching, given the we didn't really get down into the sort of lower ranked players um, in any great detail. So, um, yeah, happy to do that. And do just let us know what you want, because then we can adapt and we can do it. Agreed. This is your podcast delivered by us. So there you go. Um, one final question, mate, before we go. And it's just, it's a kind of yes, no, really, I guess. But Max Scherzer, declining rapidly? <laughs> No, no, not rapidly. I think that de- declining would have been a different question. That that would be yes. Declining rapidly, um, no. Um, still elite control, elite swing and strike percentage, really, really good. But again, do you think that 200 innings pitched is the most likely outcome, Pete? It probably is for Max, isn't it? I mean, he... He typically, I don't, I haven't got the stats in front of me, but yeah, he, it's a good chance. It's a good chance he'd go 200. It's a very good chance. Um, my personal take on that would be that at this point, 35 years old, um, mm. he did get to 172 last year, but the body started to break down toward, yeah. towards it, you know. Um, the velocity was still there, but um, when it's you, when it's your back and you've had shoulder inflammation, shoulder inflammation, back strain, 35 years old, mm-hmm. I'm starting to get a little bit concerned as to whether you can you can give me those 200 innings sort of um, guaranteed. Um, yeah. So I would, you know, put him down for 170 and anything else is a bonus. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, the thing is with Max, what we know is he is always pissed off when he's pulled out. And he always has 15 <laughs> arguments before he actually leaves the game. So, you know, if there's someone who can stretch out innings or his, his total count, it's Max, because he just, he won't take no for an answer, will he, you know? He's unbelievable. He, he's, um, this is a great thing about a player like that, even if he only gives you 140 innings, quite frankly. If, if you draft him sort of pretty high, but you get 140 fantastic. I mean, you're just getting elite innings, like K's being through the roof, whip, help, everything's helping. Well, it's fine. You can you can always hit the waiver wire for pitchers. This is what people forget about pitchers. There's there's loads of pitchers that people don't even think about because they play for I don't know, like the Twins or something. Who cares? Like the be careful. You know, be careful. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Like I I don't know who do they who do they pay for like. It doesn't matter. There's loads of like unsexy names low down that are just left for dead on the waiver wire. 
but they get loads of swinging strikes. And and now you only need them to come in and give you 50 innings um, to help you with the void that Max so cruelly left you with um, after his 150 glorious innings. So, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Max has been my my favourite non-Marlin, I think, uh, any 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 other player in the past couple of years in baseball. I just love watching Scherzer pitch. Yeah, yeah, he I can't argue with that. Very, very fun. Okay, mate, excellent. Well, that that wraps it up um, for this for this episode. So, episode two in the books. Episode three. Where are we going with it? First base. I think yeah, we'll go to first base. Um, sounds good to me. Well, let's uh, let's hit first base, which uh, might not be that deep this year. There's all sorts of uh, of, in, of jokes and whatever you could make about this now, but let's let's avoid them. Um, it's a you know it's a family podcast, so let's uh, let's move quickly on. First base, it is next up, guys. So to the listeners, you know the drill. Get in touch. You know it doesn't sound like it's that deep. In, I've got some, you know, the Marlins have got some interesting things going on at first base as well. Some potential sleepers, busts, all sorts in there. Um, so we'll we'll pick that one up, um, you know, maybe later on this week. I think we'll try and you know keep keep the momentum going. Let's keep building the the listener numbers, keep engaging. Um, anything final from you, Ryan, or is that has that covered it? No, I'm pretty. Uh, I'm pretty pitched out now. Actually, I've really enjoyed that though, Pete. That that was great. I, there's nothing better than talking about um, baseball prior to the season. Great time last night. Enjoyed the uh, Super Bowl. Really, congratulations to the Chiefs. Hope everyone in England had a great time doing whatever you were doing, getting absolutely lashed like Pete, or sitting in with um, eating nachos and drinking Ribena um, like me. Whatever your your bag is, um, and uh, yeah, baseball season is nearly here. There you go. It's it's obvious how how perfectly we blend, you know. It's, <laughs> it's, you, know you know, it's it's a perfect blend, me and you. We come at it from different angles. In the end, you know, we're drafting Lance Lynn. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> you are. <laughs> this is it, mate. You never know. I'm maybe putting out, you know, little uh, little diversions for everyone and. Uh, you know, no, I wouldn't do that. Money messing. <laughs> right, let's on that bombshell. Let's uh, let's call it a day. Uh, thanks, thanks for finding time to talk again. Really enjoyed that episode two in the books. Roto Brits signing off, and we will be back very soon with first base. Thanks, guys.